Welcome to Stiefel's Sightlines Podcast, focusing each week on a topic or two important to investors. Well, greetings and welcome to the Sightlines Podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. Hey, I want to do the fourth and last spotlight on our Outlook 2023 report where I want to dig into what's in the article that we entitled Geopolitical Risk Dashboard, Tensions Rising. Um, So it's the end of January. We've actually seen a little bit of news here in January that affects uh, geopolitics. And so I thought it was a good time to kind of frame out what's in the article and then talk a little bit about a couple updates. So let's start with, uh, I guess I would say, two themes that we highlighted um, that we're seeing as it relates to geopolitics and geopolitical risks, um, one is really increased lo- localization and protectionism. So, you know, in the current state, as as we know, there's a lots, lots of uh, uh, tensions like strained supply chains, military conflicts, uh, and certainly frustration specifically as it relates to energy dependency. So one country depending on another And so what that's led to just in general is this idea of moving more towards being focused inward, a little bit of deglobalization, focusing inward, being a little more protective of your local population, et cetera. As an example, when we look at 2022, the U.S. reshored, so brought back 350,000 jobs, and that's a 25% increase over 2021. And so, you know, what we're seeing is basically businesses kind of bringing uh, things back uh, to their home country. Another result of that, and really given a buildup in manufacturing in the U.S., we're also seeing a reduction, for example, in the share of shipments originating in Asia coming to the U.S. Uh, It's expected to fall over the balance of this decade, so through 2030, by about 40%. So again, that's one theme, increased localization and protectionism. A second theme is the idea of a more divided world. When we look back kind of in the wake of World War II, so for you know many, many decades, essentially we've been in a unipolar world <clears throat> led by the U.S. and sort of where the U.S. is sort of the primary power, both economically and militarily. And of course, what we've seen from China is accelerated economic growth, like higher than, than, than typical economic growth, a, a very specific strategy and goal to become a, a more relevant player on the, on the global economic stage. And, and with that comes, frankly, a them being a, an increasingly um, strong player militarily. In any event, we think that means that we're shifting from a, a unipolar world to kind of a multipolar world where other countries will align differently than with the U.S. And um, so a couple of sort of interesting tidbits on this. One is China's Belt and Road Initiative, which we've talked about a number of times before. It's where they're going around to different countries and, and really partnering on essentially infrastructure build and things of that nature. They're obviously cultivating sort of uh, global economic relationships. And and it was interesting uh, to watch basically how the UN uh, responded to condemning Russia's uh, claims in Ukraine. Uh, so we actually had five countries voting against that. Russia, of course, Belarus, Nicaragua, North Korea, and Syria uh, and then 45 countries, including China and India, who abstained or declined to vote. Um, so that's just showing, that, again, the idea that the world's just a little bit more divided. 
In any event, let's jump into some of, we have a number of risks that we highlight in our geopolitical risk dashboard, but uh, let me just mention uh, three, I think. The first is Russia-West conflict. So uh, obviously this is sort of now centered on or focused on uh, the war in Ukraine. A couple um, updates there. One is, you know, through the initial effort, basically uh, Russia had, quote-unquote, conquered about a quarter of Ukraine's territory. But with Ukraine fighting back, that control has has fallen, has has been reduced to about 16% of the territory. Uh, Another big piece of news is that both the U.S. and Europe are providing increased military support. So think NATO providing support. So 30 M1 Abrams tanks being uh, delivered by the U.S. and then Germany delivering at the present 14, I guess they call them Leopard 2 tanks. I don't really know what that means. Uh, but with authorization into Europe that countries can send more. So obviously NATO sort of strengthening um, Ukraine's uh, military uh, sort of uh, circumstances is meaningful as it relates to that. But of course we're all looking for angles and, and paths towards peace. Now, a second um, risk that I'll mention uh, in our in our um, dashboard we call uh, European fragmentation. So the idea that the EU kind of going along, we saw this obviously with Brexit, for example, where all of a sudden countries, individual countries together are not getting along quite right. And so we, caught, we kind of identify that fragmentation as a risk. But I would say um, with the goings on in, in Russia and Ukraine, with Russia in Ukraine, uh, there's been sort of this uh, increased alignment in that fragmentation was centered on, for example, the, the fact that the, the EU has been highly dependent on Russia, especially for natural gas, but energy generally, natural gas. And, um, and uh, uh, essentially, I think pre-war, about 40% of its gas was coming from Russia. They've cut that back. It's down to 15% with the idea that they want to halt use of the, that, that energy by uh, summer of next year, 2024. So they're developing the infrastructure and other relationships uh, to do that. Anyway, the last risk that I'll mention is uh, the idea of U.S.-China competition. This has been on our dashboard for quite a number of years. And, um, you know, I think the news there really relates to China shifting from a zero-COVID strategy uh, with the goal of spurring economic growth, their economic growth had fallen to its lowest level in many years. And so they've essentially removed quarantine restrictions, let's say, for inbound and cross-country travelers. And then uh, they essentially are requiring local factories and, and other work to uh, kind of happen, meaning they can only halt uh, situations if the area is designated as high risk. So essentially easing up on a zero COVID uh, strategy to spur economic growth. So, you know, when it comes to sort of our, our work in geopolitics, I, I hope it's pretty clear from this discussion that this is kind of an ongoing thing. I kind of think of it as all these risks and sometimes opportunities around the world that are influencing what is often a slightly more U.S. focused outlook, like, or, you know, focus especially on our our economy and how that's doing. We're obviously especially focused on our markets and, of course, global markets as well. But geopolitics plays a role. role. It's, it's um, indirect in the sense of other countries are doing what they do. Their stock markets and, and uh, interest rates and, and such go in different directions. But, but also, of course, U.S. companies um, 
are engaged there. And there's also the risk of sort of uh, contagion effects in the sense of risk, where one risk pops up uh, outside the U.S. and we get worried about it also inside the U.S. So again, geopolitics just in general play a really important role. Uh, so that's what I wanted to cover uh, this in this episode, essentially of the final spotlight for our Outlook report. I, of course, would invite you to go to stiefelinsights.com if you want to check out that report or a, a few of the videos and other uh, sightlines, actually, that we've produced um, uh, around it. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks again for listening to Stiefel's Sightlines. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each week's podcast in your feed.